Hello and welcome to the SJP podcast. And it's a bit of a uh, another random, I don't know whether to call it a bonus episode or a random episode or, or, or whatever, really. I mean, we've got no no real set schedule anymore for the SJP podcast. It's literally as and when, if I've got something I want to say or uh, want to record about a certain topic, whether that be wrestling, music, or my experiences with COVID as released the other week. It's literally just going to be a case of keep your eyes on social media and and shows will just pop out as and when. So I don't know. Well, I suppose I suppose a random bonus show again potentially is the way to way to go. I'm not 100% certain. But anyway, it's not important. It's not important. What is important is that you have pressed play and you are here now to listen to me talk to the absolutely fantastic Scottish Danny. How are you doing, my friend? Hello, sir. Thank you for having me on. I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Cheers. Not too bad two reasons really why we decided to get together and record this episode one is because we just fancied talking a bit of wrestling didn't we and we've got a show we're going to look into shortly but also because i wanted to speak with you about how things are going primarily with regards to you stepping more and more into the world of uh, world of podcasting or, or content creating i guess is the term a lot of people use i mean you've been a big part in recent weeks of a change in attitude, haven't you, with, with that reprobate Mr. Max? Yeah, to, to just talk us through that. And then obviously you're, you're starting your own project as well. Yeah, yeah. Let, tell us all about it. Well, it just started uh, when uh, it was a Friday night when uh, Mags messaged me and asked me to fill in for a couple of shows for uh, Tanner as he was moving mm-hmm. across Texas. And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. That evolved to now becoming a permanent uh member of the team which i'm really grateful for but um yeah and that now is spawned into having my own uh, show with um chris bellis from uh, twitter as well this was um his idea i'll give him all the credit including the name um and uh yeah what we're going to be doing uh on the one one man's meat podcast is uh looking at the odd wrestling shows and the forgotten about wrestlers like luther reigns like we reviewed a few uh, months ago Right. um yeah <laughs> and uh yeah this so uh i'm excited to uh get into this i think we're meeting up uh end of this month so yeah really looking forward to that just yeah, anything brilliant. that you can't find on the network we'll probably review <laughs> yeah, like the old uh 2000 uh-huh. sunday night here episodes things like that just yeah just any like just the dark corners of daily motion wrestling <laughs> uh, okay well that's really interesting because i mean, I mean to me the the WWE Network and I suppose YouTube as well and, and other sites have been a big part in, I suppose, the explosion of podcasting, I guess, mm. that the wrestling podcasting seems to get more and more shows added to it literally on a daily basis. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. But I think there's so many shows that follow effectively the same format. But again, I'm not criticizing anybody at all. This is just yeah. literally uh, just how I view things. But to me, you tend to find the two main types of show uh, as a sort of generalization, I guess is weekly review shows where people are looking at what's happening that week, whether that's raw SmackDown, AEW or whatever. And then we get more retro based shows looking back on older pay-per-views and so on, but they're all available on uh, quite readily available on, on for us in the UK for the, on the likes of sky sports or BT sport or so on. And then obviously the WWE network, etc. What you're talking about is very much a case of shows that are kind of just tucked away that are, people may not even have seen before or remember or anything like that. So that's, I find that really interesting. 
Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it, I mean, it really is uh, thanks to you guys that we're taking this step because, um, like, I used to listen to things like, you know, Bruce Pritchard show or, um, or Tony Schiavone, and I'll just think, like, how can I get into that? And then I started to see <laughs> real people getting onto podcasts like yourself, like Mags, like Rob and Dan, and all the other people in our little community that we have. So, I mean, I'm happy to join it. Yeah, yeah well, definitely. I mean, uh, you say happy to join it. To me, you, you're really a massive part of it. You're just literally <laughs> taking the step of actually uh, creating yourself. You're, you're one of the, I think you're one of the linchpins, you're one of the main pillars of our, our community. I mean, the, the support you've given, wow. uh, the support you've given me with this podcast when I first started out, and then being a massive part of, of chain wrestling and the, and the chain wrestling family there. I, Magsy, I, I know I'm, I'm saying stuff that he'll 100% agree with as well. You're a huge part of our community already, so don't, don't think you're literally just joining now because you're going to start recording. Completely, completely far from it, my friend. Thank you very much. <laughs> no worries. We'll run through your... Uh, social media links and so on for the new show and where everyone else can find you at the end of the episode so yeah. everyone listening grab a pen and paper and so on just to make sure you get the details down when we sort of finish our discussion today but we're looking at wrestling wise today sorry we're looking at something that i'm not 100 percent sure if i'd ever seen before to be honest so i suppose it kind of fits in a little bit with uh, with your with your new show i suppose the sort of the method or ethos of the new show it's an episode of Saturday Night's main event. And when I said to you, come on the show, we'll discuss where you're going podcast-wise and, and content-creating-wise, and then we'll talk a bit of wrestling. Pick a pick a show. I, I, you could have given me, I don't know, 50 guesses. And Saturday Night's main event weren't words I expected to see back. So why is it that you've chosen this particular show, this particular episode, uh, this particular sort of 90-minute slice of 2006 wrestling? Well, I, I chose this because I hadn't seen this either in 15 years. And um, uh, this, to me, it was like a huge sampling to get new uh, fans to become, uh, to either buy WrestleMania that was happening in two weeks or to um, just to come and check out WWE because there, as we'll go through this, there was a lot of high spots in this uh, that will just draw the casual fans, wherever they are, into the product. So, um, yeah, I'll choose that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And it is, again, I love I, I love looking at things that either I haven't seen in a long time or have never seen before. Because, you know, it's all it's effectively all new to me. My memory is is not the best anyway. So even if I have seen it before, I've probably forgotten a great deal of it. But it's it's easy to always be looking at a WrestleMania or always be looking at uh, a SummerSlam or a big pay-per-view. But something like this, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised, to be honest. I, I sort of went into the show not expecting a great deal. However... There's so much there. I thought oh, I'm, I'm really glad I got to watch it. It's there's so many moments, and I mean, I'm a huge Shawn Michaels fan, and we'll get to Shawn in a bit. But he's he's in the main event of of the episode, uh, so that was a, a big highlight for me, anyway. But yeah, it's very much a case of promoting WrestleMania. Mm. But there's some huge matches on this show, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, all the stars were out here. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just just uh, give us the the name, the date, and so on uh, of the episode itself, so if people want to go and watch it back on the network, they can. So, yep, this is uh, WWE Saturday Night's main event from March eighteenth, two thousand and six, and it's the first Saturday Night's main event in I think it was like fourteen years or something like that because it'd been uh, cut off, uh, mm. and it was the first time that WWE had been on NBC in many many years as well. So. Yeah, yeah, and it, it is a great spot for them to have. I mean, it's 
it's, it's a kind of very familiar, I suppose, promotional tactic with a pay-per-view coming up. I mean, nowadays, the business is different. Everything's on the network. You pay your nine ninety nine or whatever, and you get your pay-per-views included, of course. But back in this time and the 80s, when Saturday Night's main event was, was a big, prominent thing, you, you also had Clash of the Champions on the yeah. other channel, so to speak, with WCW. Yeah. And these three-to-air TV, effectively, they're TV specials would pop up two, three, maybe four times a year. And they'd always be there to help promote the big pay-per-view coming along. So it's quite a well-established tactic, I guess. Yeah. But the fact that you've kind of got that retro feeling for me as well, because I remember watching Saturday night's main event back in the late eighties. So seeing the graphics and the old sign and so on, when this show opens, I really got a kick out of that. Do you have any memories of the older shows or is it literally just when they rebooted it here? I'd say it was probably when they rebooted it here because, um, okay. yeah, yeah, I never was around for uh, there was uh, old uh, shows as well in the eighties uh, and nineties, but yeah, this was first showing time me age a bit there, aren't I? I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it was. Um, it, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, the show starts with effectively various WWE superstars. I guess is is the uh, the term speaking into the camera very very quick snippets very quick short promos promoting what is going to be coming up in the next couple of hours on the channel on the program and there's a couple that i got a real kick out of here one vince mcmahon made me laugh because he had to have his you know big poster of himself on the front cover of the muscle magazine over his over his shoulder and on the wall Uh, but jbl with a mustache saying that his name is not earl but he still has a list to go through uh, it was a real sort of niche 2006 reference. And to me, it really sort of dated the show as yeah. to where it was at this time, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I remember that show as well. <laughs> yeah. The intro's cool. Uh, the stage looks great. There's a lot of pyro. Um, but something I noticed pretty early on is that, oddly, the WWE logo is in, is in the top corner rather than its usual place in the bottom corner. Mm, yeah, I know. Well, me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm not sure why that was, to be honest. I need to go and look that up, but... Yeah. yeah, very strange. It, it's almost for for a little while. It was quite it was quite distracting. It's like when yeah. it's like when BT Sport first started showing the football, mm. and they took the score and the clock from the top corner and put it in the bottom corner. Now yeah. I don't think nothing of it because I've seen so much football on BT Sport. It's kind of kind of just the way it is. Yeah. When it first happened, I couldn't concentrate on the game because my eyes kept wandering down into the bottom corner. Do you, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's- yeah, it's definitely. <laughs> it's that even when uh, WWF uh, changed the logo to WWE, you you were still looking for that F, but it was just the E. But even though it was in the same corner, it just looked... That's right. Yeah, you spent so many years <laughs> looking at the same logo, and then when it changes, it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, definitely. The opener is is just stacked full of talent, and it's uh, it's basically described by Jim Ross on commentary as having the Raw WrestleMania main event versus the SmackDown WrestleMania main event. So you've got some massive names in this contest straight away. The Raw side is Triple H and John Cena, who will be facing each other at WrestleMania uh, from the uh, the Raw side of the, the company. And they are up against Randy Orton, Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio, who is the SmackDown triple threat main event for WrestleMania in a couple of weeks' time. What did you think of this uh, this match as a whole? Dan? I mean, it's, it's an odd one for me because you've got faces tagging with heels yeah. and it's effectively a handicap match three on two. But the concept of the Raw main event versus the SmackDown main event a couple of weeks before WrestleMania, I found really interesting. 
Mm. I mean, they would repeat this the next year with the uh, Raw Raw and SmackDown main events. But um, yeah, it was to me, it was a good match, good little opener. I mean, uh, there was something about these uh, Saturday Night's main events. I've uh, as I've gone back and seen uh, the others. They would on. They would sometimes put the main events or what they perceived as the main events on the first show. Like I mean, on the first match because um, mm-hmm. they would have uh, in one of them they have John Cena versus the Great Carly in the opener, and uh, so sometimes I think they want to start with like a massive bang. And yeah. uh, but in in terms of this match itself, I really enjoyed. Um, I think who came out looking the strongest in this was definitely John Cena, and uh, I mean, and you could argue Triple H as well. Uh, but it was a good back and forth match. What did you think of it? I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think it, I think you'd be hard pressed to not enjoy it because of the talent that is. He, doesn't matter what people think of him. Triple H is an incredibly talented guy. Yeah. Randy Orton is one of the all time greats. Kurt Angle is is on my mate Rushmore. Yeah. You know, as as Maxi will attest from the episode of Badlands I did with him many moons ago. Kurt Angle to me is one of the best to ever do it. Rey Mysterio and John Cena as well. I mean, there's so much talent in this yeah. match. I don't think you can really go wrong. The, the, the thing that bothers me, I suppose, if I had to pick a negative, is the whole can they coexist kind of tagline uh, to the to the heel and face dynamic of the teams. Because it's been, not because it's, there's anything wrong with it specifically in this instance, but because it's just been done to death. It's been done so much by WWE especially. But yeah. you get... Angle throwing John Cena around with various different types of suplex. That's amazing. Jerry Lawler comes out with something that really cracked me up with regards to Rey Mysterio, saying he's so small you can see this guy's feet in his driving license photo. That yeah, I don't, that tickled me. That that, that got me. <laughs> and eventually we get both teams kind of falling apart, Danny, don't we? They kind of yeah. the whole question of can they coexist is answered with a big fat no, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I mean, just it's just to build that uh, anticipation for WrestleMania. I mean, uh, yeah. You, you end up with Triple H pedigreeing his teammate and leaving him in the ring. Triple H then has to go back in and he pedigrees Rey Mysterio as well. Then Randy Orton comes in and just starts archiving the crap out of everyone. Kurt Angle comes in and starts shoving people about. It's all a big mess. But there's one moment that it looks scrappy. It looks scruffy. It looks kind of wonky, as a lot of things John Cena does, you know, it- tends to do. But Cena picks up the win by countering an RKO into effectively a roll-up. And it did look clunky and messy. But for yeah. me, it really, really worked. It, it looked, because of how clunky it was, it looked like a legit counter. And it, to me, I thought it was really, really clever. Yeah. I mean, it, it fitted his uh, character at the time as well. I mean, he wasn't going to win with a submission or anything like that at this point. But yeah, yeah, really fit him well. I enjoyed the uh, finish to this. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was a good match, and it is again an old trait of having the having a real big stormer early on on these these shows to try and keep people keep people on. You don't you don't yeah. back in the eighties they didn't want people to turn over straight away, so they'd so Hogan would always be prominent on the old Saturday night main event shows, but he wouldn't he wouldn't tend to be on last. He'd only be on sort of halfway through the episode, maybe a touch earlier, uh, not on all of them, not as a general rule, but quite, no. quite often. And it was to sort of secure viewing figures throughout certain time frames, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, after this match, we had a promo for the hall of fame ceremony coming up in yeah. a couple of weeks. This was a really strong year, wasn't it? Mm. 
Definitely. I mean, you had uh, Brett the Hitman Hart as the headliner. I, mm. mean, I mean, as a whole package itself, it was really, not, really well done. Uh, yeah, I mean, just um, amazing class this uh, this year. What did you think of the class? Yeah, I think it's I think it's really, really strong here for the Hall of Fame. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love the Hall of Fame anyway. It could mm. be it could be a gang of of supposedly nobodies. Not that yeah. anyone really is a nobody when they've been on television to me, I guess. Yeah. But it, it, it's that kind of. I, I just love seeing the old legends coming back, regardless of how successful they were, telling a few yeah. stories and so on. I love the Hall of Fame anyway, but this year, this this 2006 class, there's there's quite a few guys there that sort of really resonate with me. I mean, Mean Gene Oakland was a big part of my childhood anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was always the guy holding the microphone when I was first getting into wrestling. Yeah. And then as I watched more WCW, he jumped ship and was over there as well. So he was a big part of it. The... The inclusion of Sensational Sherry is a big one for me because she was always a big part of my childhood as well. Her her interactions with Macho Man and then and then Shawn Michaels and so on. But Vern Garnier going in mm. is a big one for me because I love all the old, as everyone's fully aware, I love all the old school stuff. And the AWA had some fantastic matches, some fantastic shows. So seeing Vern Garnier going in was a really... I enjoyed that. I enjoyed getting a kick out of the really, the really old sort of veterans, the old school guys and so yeah. on. And obviously, yeah. Brett. Brett is Brett, yeah. isn't he? So. <laughs> <laughs> and you had Eddie Guerrero as well. But um, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like a double headliner, mm. uh, I would say. But um, I mean, two thousand five, two thousand six, two thousand seven, three really strong Hall of Fame classes. Probably my favourite years, I'd say. I mean, just yeah. I mean, yeah. I, the Hall of Fame gets a lot. Of, I mean, I'd be interested to pick your brains on this actually, because the Hall of Fame gets a lot of stick because of certain people who are in the hall of fame whereas other people are not in the hall i mean the, the big example that people always tend to use online or in conversation is how can it be a real hall of fame when such and such is not in it but coco beware is mm. and i feel a bit sorry for coco beware there yeah. it's him that gets the... <laughs> but and there are i suppose big names and tag teams and uh, and people behind the scenes who who i think should have a spot in the hall of fame who are not for whether it's political reasons or, or whatever. Mm. But I do really enjoy the hall of fame itself. What, what are your thoughts on that as to, I suppose the legitimacy of the, the WWE hall of fame when there are so many big names not included just because they fell out with the company. What are your thoughts? I'd say it's just, to me, it's just the show. It's just like WrestleMania. Um, and every year they've got to save someone big. So not everyone can be in it at the minute. Like, vader's not in it for instance mm. i believe he i mean if bruno sammartino and the ultimate warrior are in it i'm sure they'll get everyone eventually <laughs> but yeah yeah. Just, oh, yeah i mean i don't i don't look at it as uh as like a uh oh i want this person to be in or i'm not watching or something like that i've I've always looked at it as a, as, as a show since uh since 2005 when uh mm. i started watching it yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I suppose each Hall of Fame class, uh, each Hall of Fame group that's being inducted, I suppose, is very much, it's stacked like a wrestling card, isn't it? You have, yeah. you, you, you couldn't induct, say, Hogan, Austin, Randy Savage, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, all in one year. No. Because you, you are literally, uh, to coin an old school territory days reference, you, you'd be hot-shotting the territory. You'd be, yeah. you, you'd leave yourself nothing going forward. So to me, I look at it and it always seems like it's structured like a wrestling card with regards to matches, but Hall of Fame inductees. You tend to always have one lady. Mm. You tend to always have a tag team. 
you tend to always have a couple of guys who were maybe mid-card level at best in their career, yeah. potentially. And then you get your sort of semi-main event guy and yeah. then your, your main attraction for the Hall of Fame. And like you said, Danny, that does kind of mean there are going to be names who aren't in it yet because they're saving them for future years. Yeah. But it does kind of sometimes ask the question of, well, when is Vader's a really good example. It's like, when is Vader going to go in? Why didn't he go in last year or the year before or whatever? You know, there's been plenty of opportunity for that to happen, I guess. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, even uh, the one I've wanted uh, for so many years now was Sid Vicious, just to see that Hall Ah. of Fame speech. (laughs) Just, um, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that. Obviously, we'll just keep watching and just hoping that our favourites. I know a giant one uh, that everyone, no one thought would uh, come in was uh, Jeff Jarrett uh, mm. from uh, 2017. And I remember the internet just exploding for about half a day when uh, Jeff Jarrett was announced. Or um, can you imagine when Scott Steiner gets announced? That's going to be just. <laughs> Rick Steiner was at NXT this week, wasn't he? Yes, he, he was. was yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw it on uh, YouTube where he uh, celebrated with his son. Mm. And uh, yeah, that was pretty cool to see him. Uh, hopefully, that's an indication right there. You take little things that I mean, we're getting ready for the Hall of Fame uh, announcements. I'm sure it's uh, every January they do. But um, yeah, yeah. So fingers crossed. That's uh, I mean, Braun Breaker can uh, gladly do the in- introductions. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I imagine I may be completely wrong on this aspect, but. For some reason, and I've got no reason to, to or theory for this. It's just what's popped in my head now. I imagine we would get the Steiner brothers as a tag team before we got Scott Steiner as a singles. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think I you're imagine. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Sid Vicious. Oh, what a shout! That's a great <laughs> shout. I didn't. Even, I, I, I completely forgot about that fella. He's, he's he was great. I loved Sid. It may not yeah. be brilliant in the ring, but there's always something about him that you know that the crowd loved him in the mid nineties and yeah when he was Sid Justice and, and around 92 battling Hogan and then his days in WCW, obviously wobbly leg incident aside. It's uh, <laughs> Oh yeah. Sid. Wow. Brilliant. I'd like Sid and Vader for Hall of Fame this year, please. That'd yeah. be fantastic. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> uh, we have a few sort of backstage or, or talk show moments now, I guess, before we get through to the next actual wrestling match on this episode of Saturday night's main event. Starting off with Booker T backstage with his wife and he's selling a severely injured knee and gets his match with the boogeyman called off as uh, Theodore Long, the general manager, comes and checks on him and says, OK, your match is off. And then Booker T leaves sort of sniggering to his wife that they've got one over on Teddy Long and, and so on. Booker T here with the boogeyman and this kind of time frame mm. was doing a lot of comedy sort of stuff, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people can, would complain around this time saying that he should be in the main events and things like that. But I think this was a nice uh, a change of pace for him, especially heading into WrestleMania in the match that he was in. He, him and, and Charmel would face the boogeyman in a match that went under two minutes, but it was fun. I, I liked this feud. That's a, that's a good payday as well, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. If you're not in the main event, if you can get in, do your work and get out in two minutes, you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, we then have Edge coming out with uh, Lita, 
dressed very scantily for a Saturday yeah. evening television show. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a, a segment called The Cutting Edge, which was his his talk show, which I completely forgot he had. Like I remember I remember the Jericho one, the Carlitos one, and all this. Mm. I totally forgot about The Cutting Edge with... Oh, there were so many. <laughs> with Edge. I don't know. what it's, it's so strange how my mind works, because I can remember certain things that other people go, really? Did that happen? And I'm like, yeah. And it really obscure matches or situations but then something that i watched every single week because this could have been on raw every single week for, for years for some reason my mind just erases it i don't know why <laughs> <laughs> he would uh, bring this back periodically every i'd say about every seven months or so he would uh through 2006 2007 uh all the way till 2011 i think he's still doing it now actually okay. uh yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it is a forgettable. There were so many talk shows around. Christian had one, Carlito, everything, everybody had one at one point. <laughs> yeah, to me, you still can't beat Piper's Pit. That's that's no, the original, no, that's the the original. Best, isn't it? Yep, yeah, definitely. that was great. Roddy Piper, what a one, absolute legend. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, I mean, talk us through what we see here, then, Danny, because it's quite. I'll be honest with you when when we had the backstage skit with Booker T after the opener. I was a bit like, mm, okay, we're getting into normal sort of mid noughties WWE daftness now. Okay, this is going to be a sort of the era that I'm not a massive fan of and so on. Yeah. And then we get the announcement of a talk show segment. I was a bit like, oh, for goodness sake, Danny, what have you got me watching? But <laughs> it doesn't end up it doesn't end up being a, really a talk show segment at all, does it? It's quite an exciting moment with various things going on. I mean, talk talk us through what we see here, my friend. Well, so yeah, we this whole segment is just chaos. I mean, we start with Edge just kind of scathing promo, uh, which he's, I've always said he's much better as a heel than he was a face. Um, then he he takes uh, he just he just descends into chaos when Mick Foley comes out. I mean, uh, this could have been done on Raw, but I'm glad it was done on here. But the biggest thing for me was the setting the table on fire. That just yeah. randomly, just out of nowhere, and then it just that people just came in and just extinguished it within seconds. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, this was a whole highlight reel in itself, this segment. We also see uh, them brawl and um, Edge and Mick Foley are brawling and uh, Mick Foley takes a bump into the thumbtacks, which, uh, yes. I mean, uh, and there's blood in this. And uh, this whole thing was under three minutes, which is just amazing to me. I mean, when you think of like... Was it as short um, as that, really? Yes, yeah. It was uh, two minutes and 50 seconds. Wow, and it was okay. like, yeah, <laughs> this whole thing from start to finish, it was very, very quick. I was like, what the hell? Yeah, so I can imagine as a casual viewer, if you're flipping through the channels and you see a table on fire, you see thumbtacks, you see Mick Foley just coming out and bleeding, uh, and then you see the concerto at the end. That was pretty uh, rough as well. Mm. Um, none of this would be allowed in WWE right now, would it? <laughs> I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. It's um, <laughs> You're right about the burning table because it was obviously lit on fire, then put out and so on. But what yeah. a visual that was mm -hmm. as well because they kind of have a couple of camera angles looking across the table at yeah. Foley and Edge from the from, from effectively the other side, I suppose. Yeah. But the flames in front of them and the glow of the fire, I think it makes for some really good really good visuals and really good moments yeah. sort of promoting their match coming up at WrestleMania, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just, uh, it was, uh, like I said, the whole highlight reel in uh, under three minutes. So, but um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was to head into that, uh, that brutal street fight match they would have. Mm. Oh, that's a great match, isn't it? That is. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get to um, the, the year's 
sorry, that year's WrestleMania shortly because mm. we get a promo promo for it. Speaking of promos, next up we have one, and it's kind of explaining the the feud, the disagreement, the storyline between Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon, and then by proxy Shane McMahon as well, isn't it? Yeah. This era of Shawn Michaels, I love Shawn Michaels anyway, but this era of Shawn Michaels to me is so good. Mm. Definitely. This was his uh, full comeback uh, mode, wasn't it? 2006. Mm. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, the promo package was amazing, to be honest with you. I mean, they're still getting a few more segments headed into WrestleMania after this, but I really enjoyed this feud. I mean, this was a replacement for um, Eddie Guerrero and Shawn Michaels, this feud. Um, oh, okay, I didn't yeah, know that. It, it was supposed to be uh, Shawn Michaels and Eddie Guerrero facing at WrestleMania 22, and uh, which would have been just oh, just uh, even the, sitting here now. Yeah, to think that we missed out on having that much. Yeah, Why? Definitely. I mean, no, they I, I, I wasn't to, aware that was the plan. Oh yeah, they were supposed to uh, start the feud at Survivor Series um, 2005, and then we was going to get a good, I'd say, good four month build for that. And uh, it was going to be face versus face, which would have been just oh, just brilliant. Just like uh, it's a shame we really never got that. But um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, just so they had a couple. Uh, they had an, another plan with this. They had uh, Bret Hart was supposed to be involved in this uh, this feud as well, but since he was coming back, um, including if you uh, remember WrestleMania twenty two, it, it was scheduled that Bret Hart was going to run in. And uh, help Shawn Michaels win, but apparently he left the morning of the uh, after the Hall of Fame because he just didn't want to be. And then that was to head into backlash, where instead of Shawn Michaels teaming up with God, he was supposed to team up with Bret Hart to face Shane McMahon and Vince McMahon. So this whole thing. Sorry to run through this entire. Thing, no, no, honestly, but, keep yeah. going. This yeah. again. There's so much of this that's new information to me. That's fascinating. Oh no, and and because none of this happened. That, this is reportedly, if you believe the dirt sheets or whoever it is, um, this is why D-Generation X came back instead of uh, this Shawn Michaels-Bret Hart team that was supposed to come back for 2006, um, which would have been pretty good television, to be honest, but I, I don't think Bret Hart was ready for this, for that yet. But um, no, for Brett, good years. <laughs> Bret returning. Mm. Obviously, Bret coming back here for the Hall of Fame mm. and then not willing to be involved in i can remember brett not being will, not being willing to be involved in the wrestlemania part of the weekend yeah and he was also scheduled to be on the raw as well yeah and he didn't want no part of that but he was okay going into the hall of fame i mean anyone who's listened to brett hart in recent years or seen footage of his shine to himself in his house knows that if if you're giving out awards um and sort of patting people on the back Bret Hart is happy to be there but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wasn't I know he wasn't gonna he didn't want to be involved with the actual Wrestlemania part of it all that yeah. information there though about mm. it was he was supposed to be involved in the match itself and then tagging potentially instead of God yeah. <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is a story in itself it, yeah. supposed to be tagging with Michaels instead of God and so on I wasn't unaware of all of that. That is wow. that. That's fascinating. That, that's really wow. interesting. Really Thanks. interesting thing to sort of look at, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, where would we have gone afterwards? Would we have mm. ended up with Sean and Brett falling out? And there's so many potential mm. potential storylines that could have come from that. Again, it's a real shame that. Well, first of all, it's a shame we didn't get Eddie Guerrero, or Shawn Michaels. But it's a real mm. shame as well that we didn't get Brett more. I suppose more open-minded to being yeah. involved. 
yeah, he wasn't ready for that yet. But um, I mean, to be honest, I don't think he was ever ready for it. <laughs> but um, the uh, I mean, he had to sort of come back in 2010, but um, it was nothing compared to what this could have been, to be honest. Mm. I remember staying up to watch that because I was again, mm. I was a big Bret Hart fan, and the whole Montreal situation and, and him not being around the WWF, WWE for so long. And they teased him coming back a few times. You, you had, yeah. w- when Shawn Michaels was wrestling, I think he was going into a feud with Hogan. Mm. He had a tease of Bret Hart coming out in Canada, played his music, yeah. and the place went batshit crazy. And I I, I bought that as well. When they, that music <laughs> hit, I was like, no. I was yeah. wedged forward in my seat. You know? But um, when he eventually did return, mm. that was, it was announced beforehand, Bret Hart would be on Raw. I, I stayed up to watch it live because it was that big yeah. a deal. You know, and seeing Brett, hearing the music, seeing Brett walk out, and I, 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 even now, if I watch it back now, which I inevitably will do tonight, now we're talking about it, because it's in my, <laughs> my head. Well, if I watch it back tonight, I'll still get goosebumps from seeing Brett walk out on Monday Night Raw for the first yeah. time in however many years, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a great moment. The handshake and everything was, yeah, pretty powerful. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Hello. This is Charlie, and you are listening to the SJP Wrestling Podcast. We go then to more Booker T, Boogeyman silliness. We have <laughs> Booker and his good lady backstage. They've just had a shower, they're partying, they're dancing, and so on. Uh, Booker is obviously feeling fine there's nothing wrong with his knee uh, he's showing off his dance moves which he'd be incapable of doing if he was as injured as he made out yeah. <laughs> the, the booker the, the sorry the the boogeyman turns up in his changing room with a change of lights hanging down the worms and so on and the the t's i suppose mr and mrs t potentially both <laughs> sprint off down the corridor screaming booker in a tiny little towel which i, I kind of got a giggle out of as well yeah and we get then told that the match is going ahead at WrestleMania. Mm. Again, we yeah. covered Booker T doing the comedy kind of aspect of his career around yeah. this time. What did you think of this segment in itself, though? I really enjoyed this. Uh, it, it, like I said earlier, it just showed a new side of Booker T. I mean, it wasn't really... He'd done uh, some comedy stuff with Goldust in 2002, mm-hmm. but it had a few years where he was just more of a serious character and more one-dimensional than ever. This opened up, especially with Charmel, it really opened up a new uh, a new sort of character for him that would continue with King Booker stuff and just yeah it's wrestling's always best when they don't take themselves seriously do you know what I mean they just kind of just lay it all out and things like that I think it's pretty cool yeah yeah it was good and, and the, for me the important thing with these segments I mean ultimately it's different I suppose <laughs> it's different segments for different people, isn't it? You know, some people want the comedy stuff. Some people want, they, for me, the most important part of the wrestling is the wrestling. I like, I like the actual bell to bell contests. However, I also like to be entertained. I like some comedy stuff and so on. Yeah. But for me personally, if I had to pick what I wanted from a wrestling program, it's actual wrestling is the most important. So when you do have these comedy segments for me, again, it's just a personal preference. I'm much happier when they are, kept short they don't yeah. overstay their welcome because there have been some stinkers that have ran on too long and oh yeah <laughs> just kind of sucks all the atmosphere out of the room i guess but this i think was timed quite well mm. yeah 
Yeah, excellent stuff. Uh, speaking of comedy, we go to the next uh, <laughs> sort of thing. What did you think of this uh, beer drinking contest? God, look at that, Danny. Hey, what a segue that was, mate. You're going <laughs> to do just fine, Hank. trust me. <laughs> that was brilliant stuff. That was very oh, professional. Thank you. The, the beer drinking contest. Initially, I was a bit like, okay, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Stone Cold because mm. it's, it's Steve Austin. It's Stone Cold. Of course you are. JBL as a heel in this character I was was so good as well. Some of the things that he did and on the microphone, he's just so, so, so talented. But this ended up being a hundred times better than I thought it was going to be. Mm. I really, really got a kick out of this. Just, just Steve Austin was just so good. Just mm. so funny. Just so naturally, uh, just, just naturally entertaining. Wasn't he? Yeah, he really was. I mean, he would always come back during this time. Uh, he would come back about nine or ten times a year on a random Raw or random SmackDown. And uh, I was happy. This was a good, very good use of him. Uh, and uh, this was a feud that started over a WWE.com uh, article. I think Taz mentioned it in the uh, in the Stone Cold entrance. But, yeah, it was mm. a really good use of Austin here. Yeah, it was. he was listing... Great Texans, wasn't he? Is that is that correct? Uh, yes, sorry, he was, Aust- yeah. Austin was. Sorry, Austin was listening, and he left JBL off the list, to which JBL took offence to and yeah. challenged him to this beer drinking contest. He's fetched Canadian beer from across the court <laughs> across the border as well, just to get more booze raining down upon himself. Austin comes out and basically just got Steve Austin. It, everything he did was so simplistic, but it worked. Yeah. And here you notice it with the entrance it literally he walks it he comes comes to the ring and then just hits all four corners sticks his arms in the air so simple but yeah it's it's perfect for the character and then he turns around and says oh jbl's here i didn't see you there i I just just brilliant stuff yeah it's just the little things isn't it just (laughs) but yeah i mean just uh I don't know how much beer was there, but there was a lot of it that went to waste, wasn't there? <laughs> there was, there was. And we get a few more digs from Austin. He's saying JBL could stand a chance of beating him in the beer drinking contest. He's a big guy. I mean, what are you? Five foot 11, son? Really patronising, but done so yeah. funnily. And yeah. JBL's like, well, I'm actually six foot six or whatever he said he was. And then Austin says, so how much do you weigh? What are you? Like 205? Which is just... It's just gold, isn't it? Because yeah. he's, and you can see that Austin is having a really good time. Yeah, definitely. he nearly cracks up a few times as well, doesn't he? Sort of yeah. giggling away to himself. <laughs> definitely. I mean, just uh, yeah, like I said, this is just a really good uh, use of Stone Cold. I mean, um, I, I would have thought this would have been on a Raw or a SmackDown or something, but I'm really happy they saved it for this uh, special, so to get uh, more fans in and uh, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, it's, I think it's the name value of Austin, isn't it? They've got this. They've got yep. this special on NBC that, that a couple of weeks before WrestleMania. They're going to they're trying to promote WrestleMania. It's Saturday night. It's I suppose it's slap bang in a brilliant time frame. Yep. You know, it's it's very mainstream. The 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 time and channel they're broadcasting on, and the name Stone Cold Steve Austin is yeah. still a big deal. So chucking his name into the show is going to get eyeballs on the product, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, speaking of chucking, did you see uh, or get his, uh, chuck the Stone Cold's um, beer all over his face? I mean, just he took a hit there, didn't he? Just Yeah. 
<laughs> I, effectively, we end up with JBL insisting that the, the beer drinking contest is done back to back. Yeah. Uh, and JBL is pouring his beer down himself rather than drinking it. So just just cheating, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> to which then evolves in JBL throwing beer in Austin's face and running off. To which Chris Benoit arrives, who is yep. JBL's opponent at WrestleMania, throws JBL back in the ring for Austin to absolutely soak him, give him the expected Stone Cold Stunner. The crowd go wild, and that's the end of the segment. And again, it ticks so many boxes. It didn't stay too long. JBL played his role to perfection. Austin yep. was Austin was brilliant. He was funny. And we got the Stunner at the end. It, it couldn't yep. have been much better, I don't think. And he put some shine on Chris Benoit as well uh, to... Mm. Uh, to um... Because he kind of just got like looked like he got over on JBL there with his laugh at the end, but um, I think the less said about him, the better. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Let's move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do then have an actual wrestling match, or or something that's trying to pass itself off as a wrestling match. Yeah, women's wrestling has come an incredibly long way since yeah. two thousand and six, and I'm really happy that it has. Here we have Candice Michelle who is fresh off a Playboy cover shoot, which is something the the WWE did with Playboy around WrestleMania time quite a few years. So she's obviously then crowbarred into as many TV segments as they can get for the publicity. She's tagging with Victoria, which I think is a sensible decision because Victoria is incredibly talented, even for this era. Mm. So she's able to take care of, I suppose, the heavy lifting in the ring, for want of a better term. And they're facing the team of the women's champion, Trish Stratus. Ah, Trish. And Mickey James. Now, this is around the same time. Well, this is peak type era, isn't it? Of Mickey James playing the crazy stalker gimmick. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she was fantastic in that role. What did you think of this whole feud, how it was structured, how it was put together? The kind of, I suppose uncomfortable awkward attempts at mickey james kissing trish as well and so on what did you think of this whole this whole sort of time frame with regards to trish mickey james and their characters this was uh to my opinion this is the best uh female slash divas uh storyline i've ever seen because uh this was so long terms it was uh i think it went about seven months it was very very long um, it was not overdone. Um, it was based off of a film called Single White Female. I don't know if you remember that, but um, no. Oh, it was just basically about a fan that was obsessed with a, a celebrity, but in this case, a wrestler. And I think it was really well done. Uh, I've, I can't remember who was the writer was, but I think it was Alex Greenfield, and uh, he was the head writer for this. And I remember listening to a podcast about it where he uh, discussed the entire things that. Like, I remember one thing that um, Mickey James had so much heat that she had to be brought back to her car, according to this uh, head writer. But oh, obviously, wow. he might be um, over exaggerating because this was 2006. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, really good storyline. Uh, what did you think of it overall? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and it's it's apparent Mickey James, even though she's relatively new to WWE, she's only been in the company for a few months. I can remember thinking that she already looked more talented in the ring than mm-hmm. a lot of the ladies who were already there, who, who, for want of a better term, were just there to look pretty, weren't they? You know, I'm a big fan of Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson, mm. all, all these ladies, and good luck to them making a career out of what they did and so on. But when it comes to the actual wrestling side of things, bell to bell, yeah. we all know they weren't 
that they weren't the greatest. Let's be let's be no. straight here. Yeah. You literally had Victoria and Trish and a very green Trish. She's still finding her way as well. Yeah. You effectively had those two and then Lita every now and again carrying the division. So yeah. the, the inclusion of Mickey James, who already looked like she knew what she was doing, yeah. I think really helped the women's division in general. But the character Mickey James plays, the facial expressions that she pulls, the sort of sly looks to the camera, the, the reactions to Trish and just everything about it. And you knew the turn was coming. You could, you, you knew it was going to go the way it was going to go. Yeah. But at the same time, when it happened, it wasn't a case of, oh, right. Yeah. Predicted that it was done well enough to keep you interested the whole way through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even a small wrinkle of this, it, it was supposed to be Tori Wilson teaming up with uh, Trish Stratus for this match, but I believe she was attacked on the Raw before to get her out of this so that the heel turn could uh, happen. It was really well done. I mean, mm. just uh, um, yeah, to head up for the uh, WrestleMania match between these two, which was just excellent, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. yeah, it was it was a good match, wasn't it? Uh, this match here... <laughs> Not so much. This was just no. kind of really the, the match itself was here literally to get Candice Michelle on the television, yeah. promote the Playboy cover, which they had up in the changing room beforehand, and then have Mickey James turn on Trish. The match itself yeah. was very much something of nothing, wasn't it? It was more yeah. for carrying the, the a, other aspects. Yeah, it was an angle, but um, yeah, yeah, just to set up for the WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of WrestleMania, we then get a promo for WrestleMania 22 and it, it runs through the matches that happened that year. And I'll be honest, it, it comes across as a really mixed bag. When you just look at them listed like that, you have, obviously we're looking in hindsight. We know what's happened, of course, yeah. but you're looking at Mysterio in the triple threat. That was a great match. Yeah. Uh, Cena, Triple H, I remember being fairly good. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was a stinker or I don't think it was exceptional. I think I remember it being fairly good. I'll have to go back and watch again. Edge and Foley was obviously fantastic. Yeah. Michael's once again, Mr. WrestleMania for the place down. Yeah. And then we get the Undertaker, Mark Henry. We got the tag match with Carlito, Masters, Kane, and the big show. Yeah. It was a real uh, Booker T versus the Boogeyman as well. Yeah. Yeah. It felt, like the good points were very good, but the bad points were way ropey. What, yeah. what were your thoughts? I, I know we're sort of digressing a little bit here, but what were your no. thoughts in general on WrestleMania 22? Um, I, I always like it because um, this was the uh, the first year that I've been, just for context, that like I live in London, and this was the first year that I remember them having, WWE having big billboards and it being on buses promoting WrestleMania. And I remember thinking, and they had a big uh, picture of the boogeyman on like on London buses and things like that. Oh and wow! Thinking, okay. Yeah, and I remember uh, coming back from school, and I was like, "Wow, like WWE is big, isn't it?" Like, we ne- <laughs> obviously, we'll never see that again. But they only did that once, and uh, so this WrestleMania it was quite big for me. I did enjoy it. Um, it was the last WrestleMania I had on uh, video taped off of uh, Sky Sports, but um, (laughs) before I've upgraded to DVD. So, yeah, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, to me, Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon Mm. at WrestleMania 22 is just another advert of how good Shawn Michaels was. He's working with a guy who is not a wrestler, despite the fact he has had various good matches with other people. He's not a full-time wrestler. He's of a certain age as well. And yet Shawn manages to get that quality of a match out and in the ring that's that was superb yeah definitely 
But um, yeah, a good WrestleMania. Mm, yeah, Over, overall, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the, the WrestleMania card, though, and Mark Henry versus <laughs> The Undertaker, mm. we then get a segment here. Again, to me, it's it's getting The Undertaker on the screen. It's getting The Undertaker eyes on, on the product, so to yeah. speak. Mark Henry comes out with Davari, who was acting as his manager at the time. Yeah. Which, again, I completely forgot about that even happened. Yeah. But Davari uh, runs his mouth a little bit. Then The Undertaker walks out with the druids and the casket. And, and it all kicks off, Danny, doesn't it? Talk us through what we see here. Yep, so The Undertaker, unsurprisingly, gets his full entrance in, which is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, uh, they essentially brawl each other with each other and... Um, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty violent brawl, isn't it? I mean, just mm. um, Davari takes a couple of bumps that were just uh, even Mark Henry himself with the stairs. Um, that looked pretty nasty. That they didn't give way when he uh, went into the stairs. Uh, he could have done himself an injury there. But yeah, I think the biggest visual of this was um, Davari getting tombstoned and then the Undertaker just leaning over him. That was pretty cool. This was a way to write off uh, Davari to make sure. He didn't go to WrestleMania for some reason because he didn't appear. Um, I'm not sure if okay. he had backstage heat or whatever it was, but we wouldn't see Davari in this role until uh, the SmackDown after WrestleMania. And then uh, after that, he dumped Mark Henry and joined up with the great Carly. So I think this is a way of writing Davari completely off of the Mark Henry uh, experiment. But in terms of the promo, Mark Henry cut, it was pretty, even though it was short, it was pretty good. I mean, you could see that pre. Um, Hall of Pain character coming out of him. I mean, he, he wasn't there yet, but he was a pretty good heel. Um, sadly, this was a replacement for the Kurt Angle Undertaker match that was supposed to happen at this WrestleMania. But instead, um, he'd been downgraded to face Mark Henry, but it was still an enjoyable feud. I mean, what did you think of this segment? It's, again, for me, it's 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 visuals in the same way that you had with the fire and the thumbtacks with Edge and yep. Foley. It's to me just about visuals here. The casket, the druids, the undertaker. That's one big visual that is going to stick in people's minds when the show goes off air. Yeah. Davari being tombstoned and then the undertaker posing on the casket with him. Again, it's just another image that they yeah. can screenshot, they can use in promos, and it's etched in your brain then when, when the show goes off the air. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Mark Henry fan in the world. <laughs> I don't think he ever really. I don't think he ever really sort of fulfilled any potential he may have had. I mean, he's mm. a big fella. Yeah. Uh, and guys of that size, you'd like to think that a promoter like Vincent Mann could always tend to do something with. He had so many different gimmicks as well. The sexual chocolate, mm. the world's strongest man, and all this yeah. sort of stuff. To me, it was a situation of going into WrestleMania. The Undertaker around this time, they're really pressing his his undefeated streak, of course. But there were certain times when you thought, okay, is the streak going to get broken here? Maybe. I mean, you kind of knew the Undertaker was always going to win. Yeah. But at the same time, there are certain matches or certain opponents or certain years that had, I suppose, that they, they, they sowed the seeds of doubt in your mind a little bit. Yeah. This one here never never even entered my mind that the Undertaker was going to lose. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. if they can't I mean, convince me, then what's the point? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the year before, I mean, I remember everyone thinking Randy Orton would uh, end the streak. But um, yeah, I see what you mean. I, I do understand. But yeah, it's just, yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, we then come to effectively what they're billing as the, the, the main event of this episode of yep. Saturday Night's main event. And it's a street fight between Shane McMahon and Shawn Michaels. Yep. This was bloody superb. Mm. It was very, uh, very entertaining, I thought, of this match. Um, yeah, we get a lot of action uh, during that. Like you said, visuals. Uh, there was a table spot, there was ladders, there was chairs. But, I mean, just, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, I mean, Sean is in full-on flying around selling like mad mode here isn't he yeah. he's at one stage he's thrown into the ring post on the outside and he takes the bump into the post and then pirouettes in midair to go flying down the side of the ring and it just looked incredible yeah that we get ladders and tables very early danny as you mentioned yeah. but then we get the superplex mm. oh my god i literally sat there with my mouth open watching this because <laughs> normally when you see a spot like that mm. quite often the guy who is suplexing the other i suppose so 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 the guy who is on the offensive yeah he doesn't go with them he will just literally no. throw them through the through the tables i mean effectively just so people who haven't seen this are aware you've got Shawn michaels and shane mcmahon effectively very close to the top of a ladder in the ring two tables on the floor outside the ring sean suplexes shane off the top of the ladder and they both fall what looks like i don't know 15 20 foot through through these tables and it's it's spectacular isn't it yeah i mean just the visuals just amazing just uh the sound as well of the table i found was really mm. impressive as well i mean that's something that i thought felt tna always had over WWE was the actual sounds of the tables. i don't know how which if they just land a certain way to make that sound but when it makes like a sound like a slapping thing it's like it's like yeah. wow it's like it really impressive yeah yeah, I mean, I, I was stunned because I didn't think it was actually going to happen. Mm. I, I, well, I didn't think both of them were going to go. I thought Shane might go, but then to yeah. see Shawn Michaels go as well, and they smash through the table and the wood goes everywhere and the noise, as you said, Danny. I, I literally sat there watching with my mouth open. I was like, that was that was spectacular. That was that was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> and then we go to a break. <laughs> <laughs> Typical WWE. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we come back to shane and sean michaels fighting back in the ring um sean effectively climbs a ladder to to attack shane and gets hit with some incredibly weak kendo stick shots from vince on the ice. vince couldn't quite reach him could he no he couldn't he tried he definitely tried and, and poor poor michaels had to sell this like he'd been hit in the back of a sledgehammer when he was barely touched with the with the cane that, that didn't yeah. make me chuckle yeah definitely uh, we get ladders, chairs, and all sorts hitting. Sorry, Shane hitting Sean with ladders and chairs and all sorts. And it, it, yep. these chair shots and ladder shots look brutal. Mm. Uh, Shane eventually goes coast to coast, doesn't he? In yep. the old Van Terminator move. Yep. Talk, talk us through what happens here, because this kind of this is kind of the the turn in the match that leads to the finish, isn't it? So just talk yep. us through what happened here, Danny. Yeah, so uh, uh, Shane goes for the ta Van Terminator, Shawn Michaels moves, and uh, Vince McMahon gets hit. And uh, at this point, uh, was there blood in this uh, in this match? I can't remember. I don't think so. No, no. But I would expect I was expecting Shane to uh, just bust open because he would just bust open like a grape usually. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a pretty good spot there. But um, yeah. Is uh there was a loads of uh, little spots like this that I thought were going to end the match. I was shocked of uh, how it ended, but 
Um, obviously, there was. I think they were still hoping for the Bret Hart uh, interference at WrestleMania, so hence why the match ended like this. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, uh, the, any one of these huge spots could have ended the match. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We also get the the Shawn Michaels uh, flying elbow drop from the top yep. rope. I mean, I think he's everyone talks about Macho Man and and so on as well, but. To me, Shawn Michaels has got the best top rope elbow drop yeah. I've seen. I think it's so good. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. And then we get the sweet chin music, knocking Shane down. Vince comes into the... Well, Vince stops the count, doesn't he? He, he yeah. pulls the referee away. Uh, Shawn is distracted by this. Shane gives Shawn Michaels a low blow and then applies the sharpshooter. I mean, this I didn't see coming either. And I thought with the whole Bret Hart stuff you just explained... Mm. It makes a lot more sense now, doesn't it? I mean, talk us through what they did here. Yep. So he did the uh, sharpshooter. Vincent Mann rang, rang the bell just like in Montreal. And, uh, yeah, Shane McMahon actually technically has a win over Shawn Michaels, which is disgraceful, to be honest with you, <laughs> if you're a Shawn Michaels fan, to just hear um, that Shane McMahon has a, a win over him, technically. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was a really good... Um, a really good way of getting heat, to be honest with you. But um, imagine, although I don't think Saturday Night's main event would have been the, the perfect place, but I just kept thinking, imagine if Shawn Mark, uh, Bret Hart runs down with a steel chair or something, that would have been pretty cool. And then the the, uh, the match at WrestleMania would have been turned into a tag team match. That, that would have been pretty cool as well. But uh, we didn't yeah. get that. Yeah, no, it's a shame. It's a shame that Bret wasn't willing to uh, get more involved, I guess. Yeah. But no, it is what it is. We got what we got eventually in the later years. But yeah, yeah. I mean, on the whole then, I mean, normally when I have people on and we look back at shows, we tend to give a an old school school grade. So A, B, C, whatever. Overall, what are your feelings on this show? And then ultimately, what grade do you give it as a whole as a whole episode of, of, of wrestling? Um, so I would say... Overall, it was uh, it just hit a lot of high points. Um, like like you said, the visuals. Um, there wasn't really a lot of great like chain wrestling in there or anything like that. But there was there was lots of uh, weapons and um, like fire and stuff like lo- lots of stuff like that. So I would have give this one a, a a high B to be honest with you. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but I would have given it a B. Uh, what about you? Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm I'm probably gonna go a touch lower. Purely because, again, it's the, the purpose of this show was obviously to get eyeballs on the product and promote WrestleMania. Yeah. Which is, it, it did what they needed it to do. So it succeeded from that aspect. However, if I'm reviewing this as a wrestling show and I want to watch wrestling, there are only three matches on the card. Yeah. One of them was the throwaway ladies match. The opener between the SmackDown WrestleMania main event and the Raw WrestleMania main event, as good as it was, the finish did descend into chaos and everyone just kicking the crap out of each other. Yeah. Um, Shawn Michaels was always fantastic for me to watch. Just I really enjoyed that match. As 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 an entertainment show, as as a TV program, it was good. As a wrestling show, maybe could have had a bit more to it. So I'm probably going to go with around a C plus. I think I'd happily watch it again but I wouldn't rush to, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Great stuff. Well, well, thank you very much, Danny, for, 
for bringing that episode of Saturday night's main event to my attention. There was there was enough there to keep me entertained, as I said. And the Shawn Michaels match again is always a good mark in my book. So yeah, yeah the, before I let you depart back off to enjoy the rest of your evening, we need to know as much information as you can possibly give us about where to find your good self online, the shows you're involved with, where we can find links to your upcoming podcast yourself. Just give us all the information you possibly can, my friend. Yep. So thank you very much for having me on. Uh, this has been brilliant uh, looking back at this show. So in terms of uh, finding me online, you can find me on at, on Twitter at Scottish Juggalo. And uh, I appear weekly on now on uh, the A Changing Attitude podcast with uh, Mags, Ori and Tanner, who will be joining back as well as he's, uh, move, as he's completed his move. Um, and you can also find us at um, One Man's Meets Pod, um, as it's written down, um, where we will be discussing the rare, odd wrestling shows that people have forgotten about, as I said earlier. So in terms of that, um, that's where you can find me. I bet there's going to be many, many shows that I've forgotten about because my memory is shocking. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously, with regards to uh, the podcasts you appear on, A Change in Attitude, and, and your new project you're starting at very soon, I imagine you'll be retweeting those from your own personal account. So just for the benefit of everyone listening, give your personal account one oh, more time yeah. just to make it's, sure. Uh, at Scottish Juggalo. I know I don't sound Scottish, but I am. Um, I have a long heritage of it, but I was born in London. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No problem. I have had a lovely time talking to you, my friend. I've really enjoyed this. We've got to do this yeah. again. Pick some, some matches and some shows to have a look back at together again. I've really enjoyed it. I'm loving you on A Change in Attitude. It's great. It's awesome. It balances out having to listen to Mags. So thank you for that. <laughs> Magsy, I'm joking. I love you already. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to you continuing on with, with that A Change in Attitude. I love the show anyway, and you being involved has, has, has made it go from a show I loved to a show I'm enjoying even more, which is which is awesome. And I'm really, really looking forward to hearing your own project as well. I think it's a, a, a very unique way of looking at wrestling events. And it probably gets some eyes on matches and events that maybe people I mean specifically me haven't seen before so yeah thank you so so much for your time I've really enjoyed it thank you very much and we'll be sure to have you on as a guest oh yeah that'd be great I'd love that I'd love that yeah no yeah. problem just drop me a message I'd love that that'd be awesome thank you okay thanks for your time Danny and to everybody else I guess you can see me on chain wrestling live every monday night you can hear me on the waiting room podcast at the waiting room underscore on twitter for all you quantum leap fans out there coming very very soon we have the doctor who pod that i'm working on with dan griffin and that's at the doctor who pod on twitter really enjoying recording those episodes at the moment lots of time travel sci-fi silliness there with quantum leap and doctor who for everybody you, but most importantly, you can find me at SJP Words on Twitter, which is the easiest way, I suppose, of keeping up with the shows I'm involved in, because I always retweet there. You can find the accounts and links to the shows via my personal Twitter, at SJP Words. But this show is at SJP Pod, and I guess we will be back with you when I have another random episode, just to chuck out there, whenever it takes me. Danny, one last time, thank you so, so much for speaking with me, my friend. Thank you very much. And to everybody else, thank you for listening.